when I get on a sales call, right, I'm not selling anybody, right? I'm simply trying to figure out what your pain points are and does my solution solve your pain points? Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to Digital Marketing Masters. I'm your host, Matt Rouse, and today my guest is Dan McGaw. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm doing well. I can't complain. I want to read your bio here so people have an idea who you are. MarTech expert. That's marketing tech for the people who may not be familiar. Uh, CXL instructor, award-winning entrepreneur, speaker, and United States ambassador of entrepreneurship. Dan, I know there's a, a million other things that I could also ask you, but we had talked a little beforehand, and I wanted to ask you first, we'll get right to it, why do a lot of startups fail? Number one reason that we've seen by far, and I've seen hundreds if not thousands of this, they are not good at generating revenue, which is the biggest problem. They are not good at sales, right? And at the end of the day, you've got to be able to generate revenue. It's the most important thing for the company. Right. So you have mentored hundreds of founders of startup companies. What's kind of the first steps to get them onto that revenue train? Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to talk to your customers. Most people right, who start a company are builders, right? They want to build something. They're, they are not people that want to sell something, right? And that's usually the founders that are most successful, the ones that are trying to sell something and it possibly doesn't even exist. And I can tell you, my most successful companies have been because we were selling an idea and people were like, I would totally pay for that. I'm like, well, okay, well, fine. Let's, why don't you pay for it now and I'll build it for you. You've got to talk to customers day in and day out. You've got to beta your idea, not build your idea, right? And you need to sell your idea first and have customers lined up to buy it before you go and build. Now, don't get me wrong. There's companies where you definitely have to build a product. I get it. But I raised money on my company, Fuelzy, on an Envision prototype, right? And I think companies just tend to get it messed up that, hey, I'll, I'll build it and they'll come. And usually it's like, why don't you make them come first and then build it around their needs and you're going to be much more successful. So what about the idea behind a company kind of building the minimum viable product and then kind of bootstrapping their way from there versus, you know, kind of putting a prototype together and going after funding? You know, I, I'm the wrong person to talk about funding. I've worked at multiple venture-backed companies and have raised funds for my own companies. You know, I think investors can be really, really helpful, but I think more people go after the VC route just because they think, well, I have to do it this way, right? Or my ego tells me I have to do it. I want to be on TechCrunch. And, you know, businesses aren't built off of VCs. Businesses are built off of entrepreneurs going out and selling an idea. So I'm all about having an MVP and, like, trying to raise money. And I did that, I mean, right? I went and built a – and when he was saying MVP, I built a prototype and raised funding off of a prototype, which was I – didn't, I didn't hire any developers at that point, right? And we used the funding to build the product and stuff like that. But, you know, I learned a lot during that lesson. And, you know, I really wish I would have spent more time early on – talking to our customers compared to trying to raise money. And it's it's a dream that what a lot of us get lost into is trying to raise money compared to generating revenue. And if you're generating revenue, well, the VCs will come, right? So for me, I'm very, very big on building a prototype, trying to work with customers, do customer development, learning more about those customers, getting real checks from those customers. So I think that's a, a much, much more successful model than going out and raising a bunch of money. But at the same time, you have to do what's going to be best for you. And, you know, 
the VC route is not what's best for me all the time, right? I don't need a bunch of rich old white guys telling me what to do anymore. Like I, I'm past that point in my career, if that makes any sense. Sure. Do you think that like if you're building a product, well, hang on, let me let me rephrase my question. So, yeah, you don't want, you know, a bunch of old white guys telling you what to do. Right. But isn't there, uh, you know, finding the right person with investment capital that maybe has you know, some mentorship capacity and stuff. There seems to be some value in that for a lot of people. I'm not saying that one is is in any way better than the other. I'm just, I'm curious about that, you know, using people's networks and connections and things like that. Seems like it would be valuable, but, you know, like I said, I haven't done it, so. Yeah, you know, it totally can be valuable, right? Like, it can totally be helpful. But raising money, right, and when you're going to find investors is it can be extremely difficult to find an investor who's willing to invest in your idea that has actually done what you're doing before and can really provide you that network. And it takes a crap ton of work to even get to those people and to raise the funds. And just from my experience, I've been able to generate much, much more revenue. And don't get me wrong, I'm lucky. I've been in this industry a long time. So like, obviously, like I had to build up to a point to be able to do that. But I I've been able to create more revenue than more funding I could get uh, simply by selling to my customers. And at the end of the day, right, an investor wants to invest in a product which is going to have growth. Yes, you can raise angel rounds, you can raise seed rounds, you can raise family rounds. And that stuff is good, right, if that's what you need to kind of push forward. I know not everybody has $100,000 sitting in the bank and they can blow $10,000 on building a prototype. Like, I totally get that that's not possible. However, I also am much, much more in the mindset of make sure that you have customers before you really want to raise funding. I think the customer comes first, not funding. Right. And what are some some strategies for people to kind of identify and go after customers when maybe they don't have the product built yet. Yeah, I'll give you a, a, a thing that we did, right, that will help you. So Facebook years ago used to have these Facebook fan pages and they were super, super new and they came out. So we created a custom development shop that would basically build these fan pages for you. And at the same time, we were building a software that would make it so that it was self-serve. And these were a big proliferation years ago. We were trying to raise money for it and we couldn't get any investors that cared and whatever it happens. When we were trying to beta test the idea on whether we wanted to build the self-serve product. I put on a suit, printed out a bunch of flyers, right? I paid maybe like $45 at the local FedEx Kinko's or whatever it is and designed a flyer, printed them out that explained like what we were doing. We would design these fan pages for you. You could offer giveaways, you could do contests and you could promote yourself on social media. We basically put the value props and I went door to door in six communities in Orlando and literally was a solicitor and walked into the businesses and said, hey, listen, I'd love to speak to a manager. We want to talk about a unique opportunity to promote your business on social media. And this was when social media was like, oh, my God, this is brand new. I can't even remember the year. We're talking like 2006, 2007, I think. And I went in and I met with hundreds of business owners in the middle of Florida heat wearing a suit, right, walking outside and going to these different places. And I went to all the major hotspot places with small businesses. I gave them our flyer. I explained the pricing model. And at that point, we had no real product, right? But we were selling, hey, we will build this for you and learning what they did. And we collected so much feedback from those business owners as I tried to talk to them face to face and tried to learn. And we got a lot of people that are like, excuse me, you're a solicitor. Get out of my shop, right? That happened. 
wins. But as an entrepreneur, you got to understand every no you get is one more step closer to a yes from somebody else. And we collected so much feedback during those couple months that I was doing door to door. And naturally, we stopped doing door to door. But I had to collect the feedback from the customers that we were targeting. And I had to learn from those people. And I had to build things. I had to do relationships with them. And a couple years later, we were the we built fan pages on Facebook and custom applications on Facebook for the local for Orange County government in Florida, for the mayor, for the fire department, the SBCA. Like we built tons and tons of them, but we were able to figure it all out by actually going and talk to the customers first. Um, and that's what I think a lot of people miss is they're not willing to do that legwork. They want to do the easy part, which is go raise money, because that's what everybody thinks is cool when it's like. It's not cool and it's not hip to talk to your customers, but that's probably the first person you should be trying to talk to. And I just think most entrepreneurs can be pretty lazy about that stuff and won't put in the legwork to actually do that. I mean, who who else do you know that has done door to door sales to try to find out if their idea was smart or stupid? Yeah, not very many people. Right. It, I mean, it takes courage. It takes uh, a will to fail. And you know what? Two and a half years later, after we started that company, it blew up entirely in my face. We lost a bunch of money on the last couple of months, and we did very successfully on that. But it was how I wound up becoming the head of growth at a, a, a rocket ship uh, startup called CodeSchool.com, which I helped turn into a, a, a mega awesome company. So it all worked out, right? But life is going to take you in different directions. And, you know, unfortunately, that company, which was called Tabbed, blew up because Facebook made a change. Uh, and it was a great life lesson to learn, right? You know what? I used to use Tabbed. Really? Yeah, I totally used that back in the day. I've been doing this for a long time. Well, it's super awesome to hear. Uh, thanks so much for uh, checking it out. But uh, yeah, Facebook changed its policies. Yeah, we used to use it for contests. Facebook had, it had like a Facebook contest tab that you could add. Mm-hmm. Look at that. That's crazy. So let me ask you this. I think that nowadays there's a lot more, obviously, like marketing tech tools and stuff like that, right? There's There's tons and tons and tons of automation tools for finding customers and talking to customers and chatbots and all this stuff. But it's my personal opinion that people put too much stock into how to automate kind of client and lead generation and not enough stock in actually having a person to person conversation with someone. And, 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 and I think that that stuff needs to be flipped. I think the conversation person to person with your customers should be the first thing that happens, not the last thing that happens if somebody manages to get through all of the automation. So what's your opinion on the automation versus, you know, person to person sales? Yeah, of course. You know, naturally, a lot of it comes down to your unit economics and can the product be sold without a human? I'm a huge believer of and I'm the CEO of my company and I have a VP of sales and he has a team and stuff like that now. But I was doing our sales, right, hand-to-hand combat, reaching out to people, trying to talk to people, trying to understand what's going on. The best intel you're going to get and the best way to be able to decide on where your company should go or how you should build your product or what you should be selling is is going to come out of those conversations. And it, it, the best way to go about that is by asking questions. And I think a lot of people try to sell. I When I get on a sales call, right, I'm not selling anybody, right? I'm simply trying to figure out what your pain points are and does my solution solve your pain points? And I think a lot of people kind of get that they miss that opportunity by over automating. Now, if you're just a, a strict lead gen business or you're selling a PDF, right? I understand a sales rep isn't necessarily always going to help, but you still got to figure out how do I get on a call with my customer, right? How do I get into these calls and be able to collect as much feedback? Because that's that should be what steers your product development, your product features, and, and really pushing forward. So I agree with you. I think the human element adds a lot, and you need to really maximize that at certain stages of your, your company, especially when you're just starting out. 
I heard a interesting story, and and it was from Rand Fishkin. I don't know if you've heard of Rand, but I know Rand. He's a great guy. You know Rand, All right? So used to be with Moz, right? And then he then he's developed Spark Turo. Yep, my other buddy Casey, his co is his co-founder over there. They're killing it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, I love their tool. So shout out to Spark Turo. But and and I heard this secondhand on a podcast. But they had said that when working with Moz, Randfish can actually went and like lived at someone's house who was a user of their product and went to work with them for a week to see what they did every day at work and what tools they were using and all this kind of stuff. And that's how he made the decision to kind of get involved in the audience side versus kind of the SEO side with Moz. And that was kind of the beginning of the switch for that. So I don't know if that's a true story or not, but, you know, talk about getting into your customer's head, right? That's the lengths that, that someone can go to try and find out how people use their tools and what are their pain points and how do they do their job and, you know, that kind of insight that you can get from people is, is I don't think you could put a value on it. I mean, no, I mean, that's what companies are built on. And, you know, just Rand is a, is a very unique fellow, right? So I would have no doubt that he did that. And so he's definitely a super, super smart guy. Um, but I mean, you know, I don't know if I would move in with one of my customers necessarily. I would definitely <laughs> yeah. try it. Oh, that's extreme example, right? But Yeah. I've worked out of my customers' offices for uh, extended periods of time, so that way we can learn their processes and learn how they do things. Um, that's a big part. I mean, even now, I mean, so Magaw.io, my primary company, right? I have multiple companies, but Magaw is the, the, the main one that I spend most of my time in. I mean, we're a marketing technology and marketing analytics consulting company. So our, our job is to help build technology stacks that are going to basically wire a company's data, right? So everything from the CRM to the automation tool to the content management system to all, all the different tools, right? We're talking huge stacks. Um, and one of the things that we have to do as part of our diagnostics is really try to spend as much time with the team and company as possible because we need to understand what is their flow, what is their system, how do they work, what are going to be the right tools. Because at the end of the day, our job is to choose the right product for these teams to use, the right tools so they can be effective. And you can't you can't give somebody a Lamborghini when they can only drive a Toyota, right? So if you don't innately understand that custom, you can create a really bad mismatch. And that, that same thing is in reverse when you are making a product and I see a lot of companies fail at this is like they build their they build a product but they're building an enterprise product but selling it to SMB and it's like if you would just talk to your damn customer dude you'd find out that you're building a tool that they can't use so you really do need to get inside their head and, and I'll use another company of mine UTM I don't have the ability to do customer development calls like we used to right we would schedule many many customers in a month a one hour call where we'd say hey well, how do you build UTM tracking codes what is your process what are are you using them for? So what tools are you integrating with? I hired one of my buddies who's a consultant and I paid them, a, a, I mean, five figures between the two of them to ultimately do that stuff for me and then report back to me all the customer development, and all the feedback. And, you know, it had a massive shift in our product lifecycle completely uh, changed. Hey, we, we don't care about the, the small business as much as we used to. We care about the enterprise user because they want this and they're willing to pay that. So I think getting in your customer's head using their words is just so absolutely valuable to your business. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. The an interesting thing that I see, you know, kind of the with the analogy of driving the Toyota versus the Lamborghini. I see tons and tons of clients. We mostly work with kind of small to to, you know, on the smaller side of medium-sized businesses also, but they have 
tools with where every tool has a thousand options and they only know how to use three, right? And they've got tools, they've got overlapping tools. So, you know, maybe they have subscriptions to 20 different SEO related tools, but they're using one feature out of six of them. You know, the rest of them are sitting on a shelf and the the one feature they're using out of each of those different tools are probably all included in one tool they already have. Right. So they just they, they don't understand the tools. They don't understand what they have. They don't understand how to use them. It seems like there is definitely a gap between the training of what is necessary for somebody in the marketing space or in the business sales space versus what the tools can do and how to use them. And I wonder if there's if there's a there's a good solution for that. I don't have one off the top of my head. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. <laughs> you know, I the the technology is moving so fast that even if you create a course within 12 months it's pretty obsolete. Like I wrote a book on how to build a martech stack. It's called Build Cool Shit. It's all about like the blueprint to build the stack. But the one thing that we focused on when I wrote the book was like we have to stay fundamentals. We can't get it too crazy into how this exact tool and this works cuz like things are always evolving. And, you know, I created like CXL Institute, CXL.com. Pep Pep is a a good buddy of mine, created this institute. And it's all about teaching marketers how to learn these technical marketing things, conversion rate optimization. I have a course on there on how to build a MarTech stack. And there's a lot of courses on there that are really, really helpful. So I would say if anybody really wants to learn this stuff, CXL.com is is by far one of the best places to go to really, really learn this stuff. And there's a lot of things on Udemy and some of these other platforms, but there's definitely a Knowledge gap. I was actually in a conversation with Scott. He's Chief Martech. He's the guy that built all the Martech landscapes, which everybody has seen, right? Scott's a great guy. And we were talking about the fundamental thing that people miss in Martech now, right? Is there's a couple there's a couple things that they really just lack the understanding of. And one of them is most important, which is you have to understand the taxonomy of your data that's gonna pass through all of these tools. And if you don't learn how to build taxonomy and you don't know how to use taxonomy and you don't know how the taxonomy will work across all these different tools, it makes it really, really hard to like build a successful Martech stack. So but there, at the same time, nobody teaches you how to create a taxonomy. There's like nobody out there other than the analytics providers or the CDP companies that talk about taxonomy. So, but it's really a, a, a big fundamental piece that if you don't get right, you, you're going to have to rebuild stuff multiple times. You're going to have more integration issues. So I agree with you. There's still a lack of education. Colleges aren't going to do it, right? They just, it, it, things evolve way too quick. So that's where you really have to lean to these online courses to really fill the gap. You know, I was kind of chuckling there for a minute at the start because I typed in conversion Excel there, cxl.com, and I saw Pep Laja, right, is his name? It's I think it's Laha is how you pronounce his last name. Yeah, Laha. So he used to be on a show that I used to watch all the time, uh, an online show with Ollie Gardner called Page Fights. <laughs> Ollie's a great friend of mine. Page Fights was brilliant right it was absolutely brilliant so what they would do is they take these landing pages on unbounce right and they would just tear them apart and try to figure out what's wrong with them right and stuff like that and they would kind of fight over what was the best of the worst of all the submitted landing pages and how to fix them and stuff and i thought it was great it was entertaining and stuff i think it got a little out of hand and they you know the people at the companies didn't want to you know, have kind of any negative connotation towards their customers but and and kind of as a side note that's one of the the original shows that I based our new show that we do live is called Business Builder Throwdown. And it's kind of based off of page fights where we're arguing about marketing tactics. And so 
Pep and Ollie came up with basically the idea of, of the show that we're doing now. So in a roundabout way. <laughs> Ollie just launched a new company. I can't remember what it's called. It's something to do. He's teaching people now how to do keynote performances. And that guy is just a legend. Like he's a really good friend of mine. Every time I go up to Vancouver, I always say hi to him. But it's Be the Keynote, I think, is what it, his new company is called. He's always doing something super cool. Yeah, the, I'm on the the waiting list that they have for the Be the Keynote thing to get signed into their app. Oh, really? I love it. Because, yeah, I've been following Ollie. Anything that he builds seems to be uh, something that you want to use for your business. So I always check it out. Yeah. So if anybody listening to this wants to get better at doing presentations and become an exceptional speaker, be the keynote.com is a, a company which is really focused on courses with that. And Ollie's, you know, he's the second best speaker I've ever watched. I mean, obviously after myself. So but him and I, we, when we speak at conferences together, I'll be like, I'll get more of an applause than you do kind of stuff. I'll always try to compete with him. He's super, super fun. Nice. He's, yeah, I, I really liked watching their stuff. And, you know, like Rand Fishkin, who we mentioned earlier, had started the Whiteboard Fridays at Moz, which was another really good show about marketing. Yeah, it was great. Man, it's amazing that there are uh, literally millions of people in the marketing world. But the ones who make something interesting and out of the ordinary that you can watch and learn about marketing is like five people. <laughs> like It's just it, it seems like a space where there should be all kinds of like an explosive amount of fabulous content and there just isn't. And uh, so it's kind of lacking on that side, but the bar is high. The bar is really, really high and it's hard. I mean, creating good content takes a lot of time. I remember, um, so we track, so at our companies, we track every single minute, right? So like right now we've been I, timing wise, 24 minutes is the amount of time that I've been tracking this to a budget in our company under marketing and content marketing. So everything is tracked here, right? Everything, everybody uses timers for everything. The create that course for CX, I think total amount of man hours was something around 150 to 160 hours. So that's eight and a half hours of courses. And that's just me doing shooting and content prep. CXL then had to spend uh, countless of hours of editing to make it so the content could be usable. Then there's somebody who's got to put the course on their site. Um, so it's just it's a lot of it's a lot of work. And, you know, one of the proudest moments of my life is when um, I did the, the course for CXL and I, I did like professional setup and all kinds of stuff. And CXL sent out an email to all of their subscribers, letting them know that my course was live. It was like, this is the best course on the platform, which was super, super proud. But, you know, it, it takes a considerable amount of work and knowledge and experimentation to get there. So I can understand why not everybody's always putting out content. Uh, and at the same time, people just don't want to be wrong. Uh, and I'm wrong all the time. <laughs> so like, I just don't, I guess at this point in my career, I don't care nearly as much when somebody's like, oh, you're wrong. I'm like, that's good. I get to learn better for next time. Right. So cool. Other people take it a little more seriously than that, though. Yeah. I mean, it's an evolving market, too. You know, so as you know, just like you were saying about tools, if you write stuff about specifics in a book or a course or a guide or something, then that, you know, 12 months that it's out of date. Right. Because I know because I wrote a book all about everything you needed to know about local search optimization in 2015. <laughs> I was out of date 2016 in like June, right? Like that's right. But it was barely like, you know, like the book had been out for like three months. And it was already starting to get out of date. Yeah, that's tough. But yeah, I also learned from that not to write a 300 page book. So I, I write much shorter books now. 
mine's 115 pages and you know it's got color images so like it's super easy for an executive to read so super super and, and actually you know for everybody listening if you're interested in getting a free copy of my book it's really really easy to read it teaches you how to build a marketing tech stack if you if you pull out your phone the phone number if you text this word to this number you'll be able to get a free copy the phone number is 415 415- 915-9011. I'll say that again. 415-915-9011. If you just text the word MarTech, M-A-R-T-E-C-H to that number, it will walk you through a text bot. So you can actually see like how we do marketing technology and you'll see how it personalizes your experience and then takes you to our website and does all these things. So if you're interested in a free copy, just do that and you'll be able to get that. And that'll give you a good firsthand experience of like what technology is able to do now. And I think speaking, going back to your your audience, right? Text is one of the most valuable channels for small business. Email gets lost in the clutter, but text is something you can really, really use. It's not as hard as it used to be, but it has some of the best engagement rates. You just can't spam people discounts though. And I think that's the biggest thing people need to know. Nobody cares that you have a 10% discount this week, right? Like you need to come up with more engaging things that are going to keep people engaged because once they write the word stop, it's really, really hard to get them resubscribe back to your SMS list. So you have to really be thoughtful with the messages you're sending over SMS. Yeah, I find even with something like Messenger, you know, or any of the other messaging platforms that are kind of similar to text, People get really kind of, you know, if it's just a bad time for them, they'll immediately unsubscribe and stuff like that. It's very sensitive. It's it's versus email where people, you know, get the same email from the same company for, you know, three years. They don't give a crap. Right. But yeah, text is much more sensitive spot. So if somebody wants to reach out to you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, of course. I mean, if you're looking to be able to chat, I'm on LinkedIn. So if you just go to LinkedIn, look up Dan McGaw, I'll be on there. I'm the prettiest face usually on the list. So there's definitely more than one of me on LinkedIn, surprisingly enough, which obviously there's other Dan McGaws in the world, I guess. So LinkedIn is always a great place to reach out. You can, of course, always go to McGaw.io, our website, and check us out there. And then, of course, like reach out to that. But if you're really looking to be able to chat, LinkedIn is always the best place to contact me. Perfect. And one more time, why don't you give us the number and the words so that they can get a copy of your book? Yeah, thanks so much. So the the phone number is 415-915-9011. And if you text the word MarTech, M-A-R-T-E-C-H, all one word, text it over there. It'll take you through a little process to collect your address and get you all set up and you'll get a free copy. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes. You can get the show notes just below wherever you're listening to this on your podcast player or at hookseo.com slash podcast. And Dan, thanks again for coming on. I'm sure this is super valuable for people, uh, especially people who want to either build a startup or people who want to get their marketing tech stack worked out for their business. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for having me. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.